following program is an original WWE podcast. Coming up, I chat with NXT North American champion Roderick Strong. The big red machine, Kane, is here. And get ready, you nasties. The sassy Southern Belle, Lacey Evans, is here. All that and much, much more. ATB starts now. Welcome, welcome, welcome to After the Bell. I am still Corey Graves, still the internet's favorite. Currently, as far as the WWE landscape is concerned, I am rematched to death. I'm going to tell you what I mean. It seems like week after week after week on Raw, on SmackDown, we see rematches ad nauseum. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not tired of seeing any of these superstars, but I am tired of seeing the same matches over and over and over again. Just off the top of my head, we've seen the Viking Raiders, who I'm a huge fan of. The OC, who I'm also a huge fan of. How many times in the past few months have we seen that match? We saw it again at TLC. I went on Twitter two weeks ago to praise Umberto Carrillo versus Andrade because it was awesome. I am all for seeing more of it, but that doesn't mean in successive weeks. We saw it again on the TLC kickoff show. Yes, it was awesome again. And it appears after what went down on Monday Night Raw this week, we are going to see it again. Give me a little space. I mean, why do we need rematches all the time? What happens? Why can't somebody just win, somebody just lose, and move on? We have got a glut of talent on all of our rosters. We have so many superstars waiting to break out, waiting to shine, and sometimes that can happen with different opponents. We got rid of the automatic title rematches last year sometime. I get that. You don't necessarily need to headline two pay-per-views with the same matchup. But why doesn't that apply to the rest of the roster? And again, this isn't just on Monday Night Raw. On SmackDown, I am a huge fan of New Day, of Revival. They put on awesome matches all the time. Luckily, at the TLC pay-per-view, they added a new wrinkle in that the tag title match was a ladder match, which gave it a different element and a different look. But I don't want to see it again next week. I want to see the Revival. I want to see the New Day. I want to see the OC. I want to see the Viking Raiders. I don't want to see them against the same opponents that they had last week or the week before that or the month before that. It's gotten to the point where a lot of these matches, even these pay-per-views start to feel like placeholders. There's nothing must-see. I mean, granted, maybe I'm old school. Maybe I've got that mentality because when I grew up, there was an issue, at least from pay-per-view to pay-per-view, and then generally the pay-per-view would mark a pivot point. It would move on to something different, different opponents, different stories, different matchups, and it felt fresh. I understand there is a ton of time to fill. We churn out so much content every single week. You're going to have inevitable rematches. You can't have fresh matchups every single week, but give me a week in between. I feel like I'm trapped in this weird bubble where whoever your opponent is for that period of time is the only person that exists on the WWE roster to you, and it just feels weird. It's not boring because the matches are good. They just don't feel as important. For God's sakes, it's gotten to the point where AJ Styles and Randy Orton, who are arguably the two best superstars from bell to bell that we have. Randy's one of the all-time greats. Dare I say AJ's in that conversation too. We saw their match at WrestleMania. Yes, it was awesome. 
We've seen them interact in six-mans, eight-mans, whatever it is. They're constantly on the opposing side of one another. So when they actually have another awesome match like they did on Monday Night Raw, nothing against them. It just doesn't feel important. When two stars of that caliber do battle, I feel like it should mean something. Not just, hey, we know it's going to be a good match. I don't know. I'm just complaining. That's what I do. That's why I have this podcast, because I need to vent or else I might literally explode, which I'm sure would make plenty of you happy. He is the current NXT North American champion and a member of the Undisputed Era, Mr. Roderick Strong. Roddy, what's up, dude? What's happening, Corey? Time absolutely flies. It's unbelievable. It seems like I was just excited to see my old friend when you first got signed, and here it's been three years, which is absolutely insane to think about. I actually want to take a little bit of a trip down memory lane before you got to NXT. I know that when I was still bouncing around the independents, uh, you were also there. We always seemed to miss each other, but we all ran kind of in similar circles, knew a lot of the same guys. You came up in an era where basically a who's who of WWE nowadays were kind of getting started. AJ Styles and CM Punk, Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens. I mean, you've really crossed paths with basically everybody. And it felt like, man, is Roderick Strong ever going to get here? What was going through your mind as you're watching all of your kind of contemporaries make it to WWE or wherever they were having their success and you were still kind of, I don't want to say left behind, but left behind? (laughs) <laughs> no, it's true. I kind of feel like I'm the last guy of that era on the indies. And it, it's been interesting for me because when I started around wrestling, it was like 95. So I got to see all the different waves and different eras and the things that were becoming popular. And then when I got kind of grouped in with the AJ Styles, the CM Punk, the Smojo, the, Dan- you know, the Daniel Bryan, and stuff you know even though i was a young young kid at the time i felt like oh wow this to me has potential to be the greatest era of wrestling ever and then as guys started to to make it you know even though i was doing a lot of great stuff in ring of honor i was going to japan i was doing a lot of fun stuff you just start thinking like what do i just not have what it takes am i not uh am i not good enough and, I, you know, there was a stage there where I started getting into my own head, and I think it was about 2008 into 2009, a little bit. I kind of contemplated, like, I don't know if I necessarily really want to do this anymore. You know, not like I was jealous of all the other guys' success. I just felt, personally, that I'm in the same league as them, and I wanted the opportunity to show the world. And... You know, it was a a small stretch of time, I'd say just a few months, but after that I kind of had a come-to-Jesus meeting with myself and like looked in the mirror and just said, you you know, your path has always been different, it's going to continue to be different, and eventually when you, you know, get the opportunity, you're going to make the most of it, and then here I am today. Was it one of those when you least expect it? Did it catch you off guard at all? Because I, I can totally relate to what you're feeling because it's crazy, especially in, in that era on the independence. It was so all-consuming that you're worried about chasing this wrestling dream and, and real life starts happening around you. And it's a lot of times like, oh, wow, I can't focus on 
real normal human things because I'm busy trying to make towns and get paid and try to get my, my name out there. I remember I, I think I was about 27 years old, which nowadays I'm like, wow, I was still just a baby. But I hit that same point and then I started questioning myself and I got a, a good real job, so to speak. And you know, my son was born and I was kind of like, you know what, maybe it's just not going to happen. I'll just, you know, wrestle and enjoy what I can do and accomplish at that time. And, and I know what it's like to kind of doubt yourself. But then seemingly out of nowhere, WWE called me. Did you have anything like that happen? I was actually talking to my, my weightlifting coach at the time, uh, Coach Wes. And this was uh, earlier in 2016. I had, you know, spoke with Ring of Honor and I told him I wanted to... Uh, just go international. I, I just didn't want to be with the company anymore for a little bit. I had almost been there 13 years, and I just needed a break. You know, too much of something is just, you know, just overexposed with the company. They didn't really know what to necessarily do with me, blah, blah, blah. You know, and it got to the point where me and him were having a conversation one day, and I was like, you know, I finally come to terms with the fact that if I never go there, I'll be okay, but I'm going to continue to prove all over the world that I'm as good as I feel I am. And legit, when I left the gym that day, I got a call. And I was like, <laughs> what the... Like, I was like, freak. I was like, this is unbelievable. But, you know, it was necessary for me to have all that time. Because I was, you know, like you said, wrestling just becomes such a focus. I didn't really focus on becoming, like, the person I wanted to be outside of the ring. And then the more time I put into that, just the better my life got, the better I got at this job. You know, I eventually ended up meeting my, my wife and, uh, you know, I was the type of person, you know, that I wanted to be when I met her. That was my goal because I didn't want to be in a situation where I wasn't prepared to handle a relationship that, you know, they take effort in it. I wasn't willing to give any of my time to anybody really. And well, then trust I, me, uh, I'm a pro at failing at those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I had a, and it was just, the timing couldn't have been better. And it was just really, really wild that after all of that happened, and then I signed, and, you know, soon after I signed, you know, we found out she was pregnant, and just blah, blah, blah and just everything kind of just fell into place, especially coming to NXT, like having an opportunity to be home, and the last two and a half years as my son's been on this planet. It's been the most amazing time of my life. Now, let me ask you this. Working alongside your wife, Marina Shafir, for those who don't know, a member of the MMA Four Horsewomen and now down in NXT, do you spend a lot of time talking business with her or, or trying to help her learn? Or is this kind of one of those things where you guys try to keep things separate? Uh, now we're better. When, when it originally the opportunity like came about, it was something that I really, truly wanted to ever avoid. Just I know how critical I am of myself and how hard I am on myself, and I never wanted to, to put that on her because she's just as equally hard on herself when it comes to her fight career and her training. And at first, it was very, very rough because I was trying too hard to be helpful, and she was very resistant because I wasn't coming at her in the nicest of ways i didn't know how to handle myself in that situation but now a lot more yeah and uh you know she's really starting to find her groove and it's actually been amazing to watch and she's super creative 
which is something I love, is because she wasn't a, a wrestling fan. Like she watched it when she was younger, when because uh, her dad used to watch it. But she wasn't some big time wrestling fan, so she doesn't. She's learning all of this, but the the actual like creative process for her has been fun to watch and uh, helps think outside of the box a lot. Right on, right on. Fast forward to uh, now, these days. Uh, just recently, you were part of a triple threat match at Survivor Series where at the same time, in the same match, you beat Shinsuke Nakamura and AJ Styles on a WWE pay-per-view. What did that feel like? I know you've gotten comfortable and you've crushed it down in NXT. Was the vibe at all different for you as opposed to a takeover being on Survivor Series, knowing that you're a lifelong fan? Yeah, I mean, it was just... And working with guys that I'd worked with before. Me and AJ have a, a, a long history. Like, we've wrestled... I think the first time we wrestled was 2003 or 2004. So to just be able to do that with someone that I have, you know, so much respect for and someone that I've always kind of looked up to and then, you know, be, being peers and so on and so forth, uh, I was super excited about that. And me and Shinsuke had a chance to work a couple times before both of us came here, so... Yeah, it was kind of surreal. And then when it was all said and done, I just remember like I was celebrating after I won like on the floor and I was like, "Oh my god, I'm crying a little bit. What is going on here?" <laughs> like ah, just cuz sometimes I you know, I'm really good at holding in my emotions about certain like like things that really affect me, but I just couldn't then. It was a pretty surreal feeling and yeah, you know, my son was watching with with my mom back home. My wife was there. It was just crazy to share that moment. Get coming home and you know, my son Troy being like, "Dad, you won." And just uh, <laughs> how proud he was of me. I was like, "Oh my god, you probably don't even necessarily know what's going on, but you're that excited for me." Made me more excited. So, oh, yeah. That's the best. That's awesome. Well, currently you and uh, Undisputed Era running rough shot over NXT. What does it mean to you to have three other guys that you mentioned were peers on the independents from Ring of Honor and beyond, to have a, a close-knit group of guys that you've really taken over NXT and really made a mark on the business as a whole? Ah, oh, man, it couldn't be more perfect. I mean, I, I just love the fact we're, you know, that we work so well together. Like, we, you know, we we finish each other's sentences. We're always kind of on the same vibe when it comes to what we're trying to accomplish being in a match and a promo segment or anything and uh yeah it, it's nice to just sit there and reflect sometimes about all the all the things we did prior to to coming here and then all the things we're doing now and how we're you know we're giving each other the opportunity to, to just feel what we're doing sometimes because we're like you know it's another surreal like situation where we we talk sometimes we're like oh this is really happening. Oh, yeah. And we're actually killing it. So let's pat ourselves on the back a little bit, but then let's get to work. And, you know, it's just, it's just nice to have people that will always push you. You know, you know how it is. Sometimes it just is what it is, and maybe you're having a rough day. But, there, you know, when you see those guys, there's an accountability there to, to be the performer you need to be on that day. And it, uh, you know, to have, you know, three of my best buds – it just couldn't be better, honestly. Well, let's say hypothetically it can be better. 2020 is right around the corner. What does 2020 hold for Roderick Strong? 
I think we capture more gold. I don't know. I think. I mean, we've talked but about that would, it. That would imply you have to leave NXT to capture. No, we gold. Did, we we're just going to do whatever we want. That's how about that? In 2020, we'll set the rules and we'll just show up and do whatever we want, whenever we want. I'm all how for it, that? man. I'm all for it. I support it wholeheartedly. Just make sure if you're making the rules, you guys stop by on Friday night so I get to call some of the action. Oh, 100 percent. All right, man. Well, enjoy the holidays. I will see you very, very soon. All right. Thanks, Corey. Thanks, Roddy. Monday Night Raw, the night after TLC this week, uh, I enjoyed it for the most part. And if you've listened to this before in the past month, you know what always stands out to me, right, wrong, or indifferent. The saga of Rusev and Lashley and Lana. Lana convinced Lashley to let her propose to herself. I think that's what was said. I don't imagine that's what it meant. But I'm going to have a little different take on this. The more and more I think about it, the more this story develops or devolves, whichever your opinion is, Bobby Lashley's the good guy here. Hear me out. They touched on it briefly. Rusev was excited because when you're divorced and you're paying alimony, most of the time, if your ex gets remarried, you don't have to pay them alimony anymore. So I think Rusev, despite getting his ass kicked by Lashley at TLC, should send Bob a fruit basket or something. Maybe one of those edible arrangements. I'm sure Lashley would enjoy that. Elsewhere on uh, Monday Night Raw, Deanna Perrazzo of NXT was on Monday Night Raw. I had no knowledge of this happening. I don't know if anybody did. Uh, but this is actually goes back to an idea that I had I kind of floated probably last year sometime. And I would love to see more of it going forward. I love the intermingling of NXT with Raw and SmackDown. And I'm not saying in the Survivor Series manner where they're constantly trying to beat each other up and invade. I'm talking about just sort of rubbing elbows because I think it helps everybody involved. And now that NXT is its own distinct third brand, obviously I don't expect to see the NXT TV stars, the regulars, show up on Raw or SmackDown unless there's something of major consequence going down. But I think this is a really cool opportunity for someone like a Deanna Perrazzo or someone that doesn't necessarily get television time on NXT just to grow, just to learn. Because as much as everybody learns in NXT, it's still a very different animal to go from full sale to a major arena at a Raw or SmackDown. And then she went out and got beat up by Asuka, which didn't hurt Deanna in the long run. I don't think anyone was expecting her to come and knock off half of the women's tag team champions, especially after the hellacious match at TLC, but it was cool. Deanna got some exposure. Asuka beat somebody of consequence because it's an NXT superstar. It's not just some local competitor uh, who got paid to come get destroyed for the night. So I liked it. I can't take credit for it because I don't think my idea probably had anything to do with it actually happening, but it is something that I had suggested a while back and I would love, love, love to see more of. And something that apparently a lot of you would love, love, love to see more of is Brock Lesnar. And not for the right reasons. Not because you love Brock Lesnar like I do. Because everyone is upset that Brock's not around all the time. Uh, This subject has been beaten to death, and far be it from me to beat a dead horse. But I am totally 100% okay with Brock Lesnar being a quote-unquote part-time champion. And I'll tell you why. Because Brock Lesnar, not being on TV, frees up television time for other superstars to gain opportunity, for other championships 
to be elevated in value, i.e. the United States title right now. It could be argued that's the most important title on Raw at this very moment. When you don't have a 20-minute Paul Heyman promo every single week, you have time for someone like a Umberto Carrillo or Andrade to really have time to step up and shine. So Brock being absent from television is not all bad. And let's be honest, when the WWE Champions music hits next time, you're going to freak out. Like always, everyone complains and whines and bitches about Brock not being there until Brock comes back and then everyone goes, oh yeah, we remember. Brock Lesnar is the freaking guy. He's awesome. He is a made man. You don't need to see him every week. He's an attraction. My dad always used to tell me when he was growing up as a wrestling fan in Pittsburgh, Bruno San Martino was the world champion. Bruno wasn't at every show. Bruno came around from time to time. But you know what? When Bruno came to town, you better dare not miss it because the champ was here. So, Brock, keep doing whatever it is that you're doing. I, for one, will welcome you back with open arms. And in the meantime, get to enjoy some new stars and some new stories and some different things. Maybe some challengers for the Beast Incarnate. Full disclosure, we are recording this on Tuesday, December 17th, 2019, which makes it the one-year anniversary of the advertisement that my next guest would be joining the WWE main roster at the time. We're not allowed to call it that anymore, but that's what it was. Since then, she has been classing up the joint week after week. You can see her now on Friday Night SmackDown on Fox, the sassy Southern Belle, Lacey Evans. Hello, hello. How are you, Lacey? I'm good. How are you? I am magnificent. So it has been a year since you first joined the chaos that is Raw and SmackDown. Um, Take a second to reflect back. What stands out off the top of your head? I mean, it's just mind-blowing. Um, probably just some of the opportunities that I've, you know, been able to have uh, while, since joining Raw. Uh, you know, the draft to SmackDown, Saudi Arabia making history, um, you know, main eventing pay-per-views, main eventing Raw. I mean, it's just incredible to me, and uh, it's been quite the journey. I think a lot of uh, members of the WWE Universe learned a little something about you pretty recently. We were in Fayetteville, North Carolina, uh, for a SmackDown event and tribute to the troops. And you, for the first time, at least in my recollection, spoke about your time uh, as a United States Marine. How did that life prepare you for this? Oh, man, it definitely prepared me for for every aspect of uh, what being a sports entertainer is from you know, the, the travels, the early mornings, uh, having to take initiative and, and having to have the confidence to put yourself in situations that most people would, I mean, I guess, run from, you know. Um, the Marine Corps has definitely taught me not only the confidence and the grit needed to be, uh, be a WWE uh, sports entertainer, but just also, like I said, the early mornings, making sure you're prepared, you're packed, you're ready to go. Um, not complaining about, you know, this life, because, uh, as you know, this life can be hard, you know, and, and especially, you know, bringing a, my daughter and having to juggle being a wife and a mom and, and homeschooling her and sports entertainment and the physical part and the gym aspect, like they want so much from you all across the board. And so the Marine Corps has definitely, my mindset is strong enough to take this with full force and hit the ground running so I definitely am blessed to be able to have the training that I had uh, to mentally be prepared for this. 
So what's a day-to-day like being Lacey Evans when the cameras of WWE aren't following you around? Oh, uh, yeah, you're right. It never ends. Um, uh, being a mother is the best title I could ever hold in my life. Being a wife is, is amazing as well. Um, but we start our mornings with, uh, homeschooling. We've got chickens, we've got cows, we've got to feed, you know, um, I take pride in taking care of my family. I take pride in taking care of my husband and, and being the wife that he deserves as well as the mother, my daughter deserves. So, uh, I chose homeschooling so that way we can hit the road. Uh, we've got commercials coming up, you know, luckily with my baby. So I'm very excited about that. But, um, military makeover, you know, a host on lifetime TV, I go and, so it's a lot of traveling, so I have to plan and prepare ahead and be one step ahead of the game. And when I say game, I mean life in general because WWE expects something from me, and, and they pay me good enough to make sure that they get that from me physically, mentally, emotionally be, to be ready to be the character that they need. But with that same on that same breath, I'm also a mother. My family needs so much from me. So uh, a lot of planning. When the cameras are not on me, I've got planners in my hand. I'm setting weeks in advance of what's going to be expected from me on all levels, from as a wife, as a mother, as you know, a sports entertainer. And um, if we're not out feeding the chickens and the cows and taking care of our property, uh, I'm homeschooling my baby. And and you know, me and my husband are working on our relationship and and just life. So I've got a lot of different titles that I juggle and. Um, if there's not a planner in my hand, then I'd be surprised because that's definitely what keeps me ready, ready for anything. It sounds to me like there aren't enough hours in the day. It's nothing short of amazing that you're able to do this. As though this world, this WWE life isn't crazy enough, you also manage to take care of a farm and a family? Right. And my daughter, and I take her to the YMCA. She trains for swimming, and which nine times out of ten, it's right when I get off flight. So, um, you know, I make sure to pack blankets and her homeschooling stuff so she can get the proper sleep she needs. And, uh, yeah, I mean, we've got chickens. We collect the eggs because I also believe it's important to instill what was instilled in me, and that's being able to, you know, take care of yourself and have a garden and, and chickens and eggs and, and that side of life, too. So, um, you know, I juggle a lot, but with strong coffee and a planner, nothing's impossible. Um, I make it work and my husband's definitely a huge supporter and we've been together so long that he knows the game and he's right there with me. We've been, we've been doing this together now for over 15 years. So <laughs> I've got a good sidekick for sure. So Lacey, how long have you been insane? <laughs> yeah, my whole life. <laughs> you know, when you come from a rough upbringing, you know, you only have, you don't have many options. You have to be, you know, mentally ready to make the best out of every situation. So it's nothing to me to be put through hell and, and make the best out of it. So would you care to delve in with me a little bit more about the, you mentioned a rough upbringing. I mean, obviously you've got some qualities that aren't necessarily normal these days. Uh, it's very inspiring. What do you credit to sort of helping shape you into who you are today? Coming from a childhood of drug addiction and depression um, and lots of anger, uh, my whole life, um, I always wondered. I never knew what I wanted to be because my role models weren't the best. So sitting in a life like that of so much negativity and so much the drugs and, like I said, the depression, the only thing I knew for sure is what I didn't want to be because it was what I was looking at. It was what I was smelling. It was what I was feeling. Um, So joining the Marine Corps at 19 years old was one of the best decisions I've ever made in my life. And um, they instilled in me all the qualities that I have today as a mother, that I have today as a wife. And 
Um, it taught me to see the other side of life, to see the positive and the motivation um, and what you're capable of mentally, physically, and emotionally. And um, so throughout my roughest years of, of life, and I always stayed busy, you know, I didn't let the lifestyle that I was forced to live in uh, consume me, I, like I said, because I knew what I, what I didn't want to be. Um, so I stayed busy. I stayed busy in high school wrestling. I stayed, I got a job at 14 as soon as I could. And I just, I made sure my mind was focused all the time, even that young. Um, and I just kept going and I stayed busy and I, an idle mind is the devil's handiwork. And I made sure I just, no drugs, no alcohol, no nothing. I stayed sports and, and work until, until finally at 19 years old, I decided I needed to join the Marine Corps to, 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 to get out of it and um, be able to see a side of life that I could uh, flourish in and, and change me and help me get out of that. Well, I don't think anybody would argue that it's changed you for the better. I got all the respect in the world for everything you have done and continue to do. Looking forward, it appears as though you are on a collision course with possibly Sasha Banks, potentially Bailey on SmackDown. What are you looking forward to? What are you excited about there? What I'm most excited about is getting my hands on Sasha Banks. Um, I love my job. I love this career. I love the opportunities I'm getting. But uh, you do not talk about my daughter. Um, I don't care if it's the audacity of someone to bring my daughter up in this line of work to me is absurd. And uh, I will not regret what I physically do to that woman. Um, So that's what I'm most excited about. The fact that um, her sidekick with the Bob cut Bailey, uh, is the SmackDown women's champion. And, um, uh, that's another, another goal of mine to take that off of her because, um, I'm convinced without a shadow of a doubt that I have what it takes to be a champion, um, and the face of this company in order to make a difference in a positive way. And, uh, so both of that combined, and like I said, the audacity to bring my daughter up in, in, in everything else, working my ass off in this company. Um, is there anything else that she could have said different, uh, to, to create, uh, heat with each other, to create, uh, anger and to tell a story? Um, I think she took a low blow that she's not ready to defend and, uh, uh, she's not going to have a choice, but to defend it. So I'm most excited about that, most amped up about that. But, and like I said, being able, being able to be the SmackDown women's champion at some point is even better. Would you classify Sasha Banks and or Bailey as nasties? Absolutely. Um, and I can tell you exactly why, because people think nasty as in like dirty, and that is not what it is. Uh, nasty things are people that lack the, the initiative and the drive to and the accountability to stand tall in their, in their decisions and what they've done. And without going into in much detail, those two women have definitely taken the the weak route out, the the easier way out to blame everybody else but themselves for their their success within this business. Um, I get that they've been doing this a long time, and I've got a lot of respect for that. But at some point, you have to either say, "I got to change what I'm doing in order to go further," or or make a bigger statement. But but for somebody to sit there and blame everybody else is exactly what they're doing. Um, is, is, is the cheap way. It's the easy way. And they're definitely nothing but nasties, especially to bring my daughter up in their mouth, uh, is the epitome of a nasty, weak thing. And, um, so yeah, but it's all right because Lacey Evans is here in WWE to set the proper example because the Lord knows they're not doing it. 
Well, I cannot wait to see what the future holds for Lacey Evans, not only on SmackDown, but beyond. I won't keep you any longer. You might have chickens to feed or uh, yes, I do. things I got to build. I Christmas shopping. And, <laughs> yeah. All right, Lacey. Well, I appreciate you hanging out. Go enjoy your family and your farm. I will see you very, very soon. All righty. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Thanks, Lacey. My next guest is one of the most respected, longest tenured, and destructive superstars in WWE. He is currently the reigning, defending mayor of Knox County, Tennessee, the Big Red Machine, Kane. Kane, how are you, sir? I'm doing great. How are you guys? I am fantastic. Always great to chat with you, especially now that I don't see you that often anymore. You, you abandoned us for this new arena, this political arena. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. <laughs> well, you got to do what you got to do. You uh, just released a book entitled Mayor Kane, My Life in Wrestling. How was that experience? It was really neat. Uh, the writing experience was something I've kind of done before. I was an English major in college. That's what my degree's in. So uh, I've, I've written a lot of short stuff, of course, but nothing that long and nothing autobiographical. I wish I had the foresight to keep a journal or a diary because uh, I had to go check sources and call people. And, uh, I, I would remember the, the gist of an event or something. And then I couldn't remember all the details. So I'd have to check up on that. Um, but that was great. And then the, the, um, the actual book publication process is pretty fascinating because it was, it was a good year from when I actually started talking about this uh, with WWE and with Hachette Publishing to the time that we actually got to the finished product. Uh, and uh, it was months, of course, of, of going back and forth with even after they got the manuscript and editorial changes and that sort of thing. But but in the end, uh, it was it was a great experience. It was very rewarding. And I've got to do some book signings and meet people, and everybody seems to like the book, so I'm pretty happy about it. Excellent, excellent. I'm assuming it's safe to say that uh, a lot of your illustrious career is covered within the book. Yes, of course. Uh, talk a lot about the Attitude Era, um, my relationship with Undertaker, uh, the Team Hell No stuff, my relationship with with Daniel Bryan, um, some travel stories in there. Uh, so, yeah, there's there's a lot of things, and uh, I think that what's going to attract folks most, of course, from uh, from the wrestling world is the, the attitude era stuff. I mean, I was there during all that and um, saw or was part of a lot of the things that happened. That was uh, an era that changed the entire business. Um, and so, you know, I think you always have people writing about things and all these perspectives and um, everybody's right from their own perspective. You add a, mine is my own perspective, so it's a little different. Um, so maybe people can get some tidbits or some things that that haven't been written about any anywhere else, or maybe a different slant on the events that occurred. Let me ask you this: uh, You obviously, as Kane, and even multiple characters before then, kind of came up and really excelled in an era where the business was a lot more protected. How does it feel from your perspective now knowing and seeing someone like The Undertaker sit down out of character, so to speak, as he recently did with Stone Cold? Uh, is that refreshing to you, or, or is it, what's, what's it like having a character that's so protected that you can kind of now open the doors on? Well, I think like everyone, I'd have mixed feelings about it. I, I think overall it's good. Um, we're, we're people, and we 
portray a character. And uh, I think everybody knows that, of course. And I think sometimes that that was taken so seriously that it was almost um, almost comic, right? I mean, I, you know, just everybody knows that we're characters on TV. Um, and the great thing about a character like The Undertaker, hopefully about Kane, is when the character comes back out, people believe in the character. Um, and I think that like a guy like Mark opening up and talking about all these different things. I mean, gosh, what a perspective that guy has, right. And what knowledge and he's been there for everything and knows more about it, knows more about it than almost anyone else. Uh, and, and just, he's a, he's a great guy. He's a really cool dude. Uh, so to see him be able to do stuff like that, I think is refreshing. When we look at things like social media, I mean, it's, uh, it's just the way of the world. It's the way things are going. Um, and, and it is kind of a two-edged sword. On the one hand, you have the days where everything was very protected, and there were certain advantages to that. I hate it when people come out with spoilers and all that stuff, man, because part, uh, part of the allure of the WWE business is the fact that um, and we're out there we're out there throwing twists and turns and trying to keep people guessing as to what's coming next. I remember there was an all in the family episode with Archie Bunker and he's watching wrestling and, you know, someone says, well, don't you know that's fixed? And Archie does. Yeah. You know, those guys know what they, they may know what they're going to do, but I don't. And that's what I want to see is what's going to happen. And I think that we've taken some of the pleasure and enjoyment out of the business by people getting so enamored with the business and the booking side of things. Um, and that, that, you know, that, that's something to me. I said, that's, that's one of the disadvantages, but when you look at our ability to connect with fans now, uh, and, uh, really to bring, to bring people into our world, whether it's through the character Kane or into my own world, uh, I think that's something that's extremely beneficial for everybody. So again, mixed feelings, but overall, I think it's good. You mentioned connecting with people. Uh, in what ways would you say that WWE helped prepare you for this new venture into public service? Almost everything we do in life, it, it, if it involves other people, it has a political component. And uh, WWE is the same way. And also, you know, what I learned in WWE is, is um, the most important thing that a WWE superstar really has is their ability to connect with an audience. Shawn Michaels could do it like no one I've ever seen. Daniel Bryan does it. They just had this innate ability to just, I mean, literally pull people in. And um, that that's a gift. And it's it's the same in, it's same in politics, frankly. I mean, and, and you do it a different way. I mean, I do it by being as genuine and sincere and just as much me as I possibly can. So, uh, you know, but that the idea that even though it's different, it's the same, you know, in WWE, we're portraying out to people in politics. A lot of times you want to get feedback from people, but you still have to show people that you care about them. Right. And there's an old saying in politics, people, people don't care how much, you know, they want to know how much you care. Uh, that's a form of connection and you have to be able to do that, but it also has to be sincere and it has to be genuine. So, um, it, it's, it's just that it's those, it's those people skills, both with the people that I worked with, the wrestlers, all the folks behind the scenes, as well as the audience, uh, that I think, and I can take some lessons that I learned there and, and put them into 
the political world. And the most important thing is really is don't be a jerk. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but when you're in the WWE locker room, we're all working towards the same goal, right? Right. And I saw people that would come in and uh, they were all about themselves, prima donnas. They didn't last very long. And you have someone like me, and my deal was always was always putting the company first, uh, even if sometimes that wasn't the best thing for me. But in the long run, it was because the company stayed stronger and always come back around. Um, so that that's actually a life lesson, and I would tell everybody that just you'll you'll go a long way in life if you're not a jerk. Duly noted. <laughs> On the other side of the coin, have have you ever had any roadblocks arise because of your past in the sports entertainment world? I really haven't, and I think um, I, I think that the whole the stigma is uh, that had once surrounded professional wrestling is breaking down. I think the attitude era had a lot to do with that. I mean, I think we had so many fans, and we were so hot that um, you know people just people were uh, it was more pop culture at that at that particular time i mean it was it transcended the wrestling business yeah exactly and people people that otherwise may not have uh got a real affection for the business and you know so it, it really hasn't been an impact i mean you know sometimes people say snide things or whatever and in the end it's like I, here's the thing i was not tuning my own horn i was pretty dadgum successful in an extremely competitive industry. And that's something that, that I, I don't try to downplay at all. I'm really proud of it. I'm proud of the people that I worked with. I'm proud of working for the company that I have worked with for so long. Um, and so I never, I never run from it. I mean, it is who I am. It's part of me. And, you know, that, that's it. And people do all sorts of different things to make a living. Um, dude, tell me another business where you can bring so much joy to people, you know, where I can go and visit sick kids and have an impact on them and, and all the things that we're able to do because we're WWE superstars. Um, I wouldn't trade any of that for the world. That's an awesome, awesome perspective. Uh, not only are you giving back to your community, you are giving back to the wrestling business in the form of a wrestling academy, if I'm right. Yes, that's right. Uh, Tom Pritchard and I started the Jacobs Pritchard Wrestling Academy. It's located here in Knoxville. Um, of course, Dr. Tom is, in, in my opinion, one of the, the best trainers uh, in the world. He trained people like Mark Henry and Kurt Angle and this guy named Dwayne Johnson, The Rock. They all worked with Tom at various points early in their career. Uh, so really excited about that. Um, and, and, of course, I mean, when people, you know, ultimately – for a lot of those folks uh, that are, are trainees, that the goal is to to get to the performance center so that they have a, a base under them, so that they can get to there, and then hopefully someday WWE. Um, and I, I can't say enough about uh, what Triple H has done with the performance center with NXT. I think uh, that's a fabulous show, and anyone that's been down in the performance center and see what goes on there, it's an extremely professionally run operation. Uh, so we kind of see ourselves as as kind of an entry, um, you know, people can come in and, and train and, and go off and, uh, you know, go off and do stuff. Uh, but at the same time, you know, they, hopefully they come in and train and then they have the skills that, that they need and the foundation that they need that they can go to Orlando and get into the WWE system. That's ultimately would be my goal for those guys. 
Well, please give my best to Dr. Tom. His fingerprints are still all over everything WWE, and everyone from Roman Reigns to Rollins to Bray have, have spent time with Dr. Tom, so I, I think we can all speak very highly of him. Yeah, so we were really honored. Um, we've had some, some WWE superstars visit and, and train uh, for some things at the, uh, at the academy. Um, Natty and uh, Beth Phoenix came down and, and worked out for their WrestleMania match this year. So uh, that's really awesome, too. It's awesome for us and also for our students to, to be able to see that caliber talent come in and get in the ring and work out. Well, obviously, with your new schedule as mayor, you have been uh, not in front of our TV cameras quite as frequently as we're used to. But to my knowledge, there has never been an official retirement. So is it safe to say we may see Kane back in a WWE ring? Oh, you may. I mean, when WWE came to Knoxville earlier this year, I won the 24-7 championship and then lost it a short time later. But then I came out on this show as well. So, uh, you know, and, and there's... I'm never going to leave WWE. I don't think anyone um, that's been there for a long period of time, I don't think you ever want to. And, uh, and man, I'd love like one last match with, with Undertaker, the Brothers of Destruction against someone. That would be, that would be so awesome. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I always, it's true. In WWE, you never say never. And when it comes to me, that's, that's how I treat my career going forward. Tremendous, tremendous. Well, uh, 2020 is right around the corner. Do you have any big red New Year's resolutions? <laughs> I'm not big in resolutions because I'm like everybody else. I end up breaking them or forgetting about them anyway. So I'm just going to keep on, keep on keeping on. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. Well, you're a busy man. I appreciate you taking time out of your schedule. Uh, check out Mayor Kane, My Life in Wrestling. Where can they find that? Uh, you can find it on Amazon, uh, also Barnes & Noble Online, Books Million. Uh, it's in some bookstores. I think Books Million uh, carries it. Um, but Amazon and the other online retailers would be the best place to look for it. Also, of course, WWE Shop Zone. And the Jacobs Pritchard Wrestling Academy? That is jpwrestlingacademy.com. Uh, and we're also on Facebook and, and Twitter and all that, uh, Jacobs Pritchard Wrestling Academy. Excellent, excellent. Well, Kane, I appreciate you hanging out. Good luck in the new year. Hopefully we see you sooner than later. I appreciate it, Corey. I, I hope so too, man. I'll see you soon. Well, the penultimate episode for the year 2019 of After the Bell is drawing near. So, as always, I'm going to throw a little zen your way. This one's from Woody Guthrie. If you don't know who he is, Google him. I recommend it. He said, all of my words, if not well put or well taken are well meant. That's some Zen for you. I am full of it. I want to take a second to thank Roderick Strong, Lacey Evans, and Kane for hanging out today. By the way, if you're looking for some stocking stuffers for the wrestling fans in your life, head to shop.wwe.com. Search after the bell. We've got the softest, most comfortable hoodies and beanies. I have not taken mine off all week, not even to shower. I stink. All the more reason I need to wrap this thing up. Make sure you follow at After the Bell on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Join the conversation using hashtag After the Bell. If you like the show, tell a friend. If you don't like the show, shut up. And if your friends don't know how or where to listen to the podcast, show them. Just Google After the Bell with Corey Graves, and you'll see all kinds of different ways to listen. And guess what? All those ways are free. If you're using an Android, follow ATB on Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora, Google Podcasts, or your podcast app of choice so that you don't ever miss an episode. Subscribe to ATB and throw me five stars on Apple Podcasts, please, for Christmas. 
follow me at WWE Graves. And I will be back next week with more wisdom, more vitriol, and more WWE After the Bell. This has been an original WWE podcast.